0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Martin Sibley Show podcast. I hope this finds you well and you've had a good few days of whatever you've been up to. Today we're going very uh, businessy. I mean, I I generally, as you know, I'm very loving of business and marketing and obviously with uh, Purple Goat launching very much into influencer marketing, but all as a tool to make the world more inclusive and my passion and purpose will always consistently be around inclusion of disabled people. And today, I've got an amazing guest on the show called Hardeep Rai, who runs the Kaleidoscope Group. And historically, and still today, but they've diversified a bit as well now, but historically, they've always done investment in disabled entrepreneurs and startups. And I've actually been reading a really interesting book on Audible called The Intelligent Entrepreneur. And it's really opened my mind to how entrepreneurship and business can make such a positive impact in the world in terms of solving problems, but of course in terms of job creation and even just the, the tax that is created from a business existing that goes back into economies and, and government spending. So um yeah very interesting as a general topic but we're going to really go deep here on the specifics of disabled entrepreneurship and ways that investment has helped those disabled entrepreneurs to realise their dreams. So I think this is going to be a, a fascinating chat for you to to learn a lot, but also to just be educated and entertained all at the same time. So sit back and enjoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's Daily Sib. I have to say I'm, I'm definitely feeling again near the end of the week now. I'm a, lower lower energy this morning but i'm i'm buoyant with excitement to have hardy ray on today is it ray or rye do you say hardy it's
1: actually rye
0: right hardy yeah. rye so from kaleidoscope group um we've obviously met a few times over the years and uh, it would be good actually to, to hear a bit of the update myself because you've been very busy the last few months or the last year or so um, but yeah for everyone watching it'd be really nice if you could just give a, a general background to who you are and what you've been up to
1: Sure. Well, first of all, Martin, thank you for inviting me to come onto your show. Pleasure, uh, I have yeah. to say I have been watching it very keenly, uh, and I've got my team to watch it as well. So it's a wow. wonderful thing that you're doing. Hello
0: to right? the team. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: so, hi everyone. My name is Hardy. Um, I've spent around, I would say, a good fifteen years in financial services initially, Martin. So I was in hedge funds, sort of um, investment management, banking, that sort of arena. And then I moved into private equity and venture capital. And I was in VC and private equity for a good seven to eight years. Mm -hmm. And three of those were working with, uh, or two of those were working with James Kahn, um, who I'll come to a little bit later in the show. I used to
0: love watching him on the TV. Yeah, I haven't seen too much of him lately, but yeah, I used to really like watching him.
1: He was my favourite dragon, actually, on Dragon. Not that I'm biased, of course. No, of course not. Of course course not. not. So uh, I spent a good 2 years working with him and then I became an investor after James you know when I set up my own company uh, to sort of see invest in in, com- in individuals funny enough that we're not from a disabled background just you know non-disabled and disabled yeah. and then i set up escape investments about four and a half five years ago uh, with yeah. the view of just investing into disabled people so yeah,
2: yeah. that's kind of Why, my great
0: four or five years ago you did that i now. know, I know wow. staggering,
1: staggering it's amazing yeah. how time flies when you have your own business
0: yeah, no, it's, it's mad. I mean, And obviously, you know, I, I'm very adamant that that anyone that's involved in disability and inclusion that doesn't have a disability is still absolutely valued and cherished as part, because we're all in it for the same reason. But obviously, you do have a, a connection to disability as well, don't you?
1: I do, yeah. So my, my son, Ishan, was born in 2006, in November. And he had a last-minute birthing complication, mm-hmm. which meant that he, he lacked 17 minutes of oxygen to his wow. brain. Okay. Uh, and that was a real, that was a, I mean, it would be a shock to anybody, Martin. You know, yeah. you just, you're there, you think everything's going to be fine. And suddenly, you know, and it was, it was an overnight, I mean, it, it was within seconds, your entire world just, you know, crumbled because people knew at that point it was very serious. You know, yeah. if he lives, you're not going to live. And if he does live, then you know, there's gonna be severe impact into how his life is yeah. gonna be, the quality of life. Um, yeah. And believe it or not, we were actually given seven days to decide whether or not we actually wanted to turn his life support machine off as well. Yeah which is supposed to be processed you know but you know when you see a little life there with all the little the you know different sorts of tubes inside every literally every limb no one's ever going to say anything like that it's impossible you know so so that he really he really changed my life and he's my inspiration um, and today he's 13 years old so wow. it was a long time ago now and he is, um, you know, on the, if I were to give you a list, Martin, of the things that he couldn't do, you know, it's that long, okay? Yeah. There, there's so many things he can't do. Um, but actually, what he has done is he has inspired me. Mm. And of inspiring me, he's inspired, you know, so many other people around yeah. in yeah. the yeah. world of disability. And I really bring him to the core of what I do. And I try and, funny enough, involve pictures of him, videos of him, so people can feel that essence of... Yeah. You know why why we're doing what we're doing, but he's in a care home right now. Um, you know he's uh, he, he's peg fed, so he needs a lot of you know care, almost one on one care. Thankfully, yeah. he's not too far away from me, and not too far away from you actually in Royston, so I can get to him in under in under an hour, which yeah, is it's really on the corner. Yeah. yeah. So I see him every single weekend.
0: Yeah, so that, yeah, thank you for sharing that. And I think, as you say, that that inspiration you've had. And then the motivation is, yeah, but a part of. All the other great things that you've done, and so yeah, it's a, it's really great. And happy birthday to Ishan. We'll give Ishan a, a shout out on the show today as well.
1: Oh, well, it's not actually 13 today, I've said that wrong. It's not his birthday today, but he is oh, 13 years old. Yeah,
0: he's great. 13 at the moment. Yeah, I agree. At the moment, yeah, yeah. Well, whenever his birthday is, happy birthday. Thank you.
1: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's November.
0: <laughs> okay, cool. We've got a couple of little um comments coming, I'll just bring them up. Well, sure. we will pause for a second. So Gavin saying, great to see Hardeep on the Daily Sib. Hardeep oh. is a really lovely fellow with a superb mission.
1: Thank you, yeah. Gavin. That's very kind of you, sir.
0: And Mark saying, hello, gents. So hello, Mark. Coming in from, from Facebook there. Oh, um, so, yeah, I mean, there's obviously a lot to unpack Really, I mean, I think you mentioned Kaleidoscope, and it was very much around investing in disabled entrepreneurs and and businesses around disability so could you just chat a little bit more about how where that idea came from some of the challenges as well yeah
1: sure so back in uh, 2014 I was approached by Shane Bratby who's the founder of Disabled Entrepreneurs and he was looking to raise money at the time and I don't know what it was Martin something about Shane that I really really endeared me and I invited him to London for dinner so he came and we went to a hotel for dinner and it was absolutely fantastic because even on the first night that we were talking, you know, we were having a curry, sharing yeah. a curry. I was sort of, you know, because of my Ishan mindset, I was cutting the chicken in his plate and sort of helping me. And it was, there was a bonding there yeah. that was just, instant, you know, and he helped me to realize that people with disabilities and in those days he had a database of about 25,000 wow. disabled on. You know, Twenty-five thousand, Martin. All entrepreneurs. Now, yeah, yeah. All people that wanted to start businesses. Now, not after GDPR, unfortunately. Yeah. but this is prior yeah. to GDPR. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. And he helped me to understand that there was this challenge that there were a lot of people with disabilities that want to start businesses, but they just can't find the investment. Mm. Either it's charitable. Either it's enter a competition, either it's going and apply for a grant. You know, it was all, all of those sorts of things.
2: Sounds really familiar. Yeah, yeah exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, I, and I, thought, I thought, OK, hang on a minute. I've got all this investment experience. I've got some phenomenal contacts in the hedge fund industry. I've worked for James. I met some amazing people. All I have to do is actually raise some money and I'm going to focus on the disability market because what what really what really spoke to me was the word disability. Okay, yeah. because if it was my son, I thought I want to exclusively focus on this marketplace because this is where people are, you know, are not getting the attention. Mm-hmm. So this is where NatWest comes in. And if anyone from NatWest is listening, you are you are and have been our greatest gift because. Wow. For the last three, four years, Martin, they have supported us with meeting rooms, their conferencing facilities, you know, two of the two of the fantastic conferences we we've ever had on disabled entrepreneurship were both held in the main RBS auditorium in, wow. in, in Bishopsgate. And, nice. and they they covered everything, Martin. So we were extremely fortunate. And how we thought we'd start this was on Eventbrite, I just put a note up and I said, right, breakfast. Anyone with a disability, you know, that's interested in entrepreneurship, please come along, okay? Mm -hmm. So about two weeks before we had, when we had a room for 30 people. So two weeks before we had about seven acceptances, two days before we had 71.
2: Wow.
1: 71. So I had to beg NatWest to give me that room back to back for two hours. Mm -hmm. And we had to do a four hour session twice on entrepreneurship. Wow. And it was absolutely phenomenal. You know, for me, Martin, it was one of the most special days of my life because I was standing up in front of this group of individuals that were really, really inspiring, really mm. inspiring. And you know, when you stand up there and you talk about resilience, you have to shut up very quickly because everyone can tell you about resilience more than you can, right? Yeah. And it was one of those moments. And and we almost had every single disability covered. And where we got very lucky, we had an individual from the BBC. That came along, and he wrote a wonderful article on us, Martin, and that is actually, if I'm honest, that's what really launched Kaleidoscope. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. that article because then what happened was we did another entrepreneurship event, and then it and then it started. Yeah. Um, so that's that was the beginnings, and then as we started to grow, the way that we developed it was we did these training sessions every month, and we started inviting entrepreneurs to come along now what I was doing here and by the way Martin I'm gonna especially for everyone that's listening I'm I'm very very transparent and I'm very honest okay so I'm going to share the goods but I'm also going to share the challenges if that's all right
0: that's perfect we love that
1: because I'm not going to sort of pretend that it's been a perfect journey at all you know so the first thing I had what
0: journey is by the way right like there's always challenges but no it's great it's great that you're happy to share
2: Yeah, Yeah, no,
1: definitely. So what I had to do first is I had to prove the concept and I had to actually get some disabled people with ideas that were investable. Okay, so that was the first thing. So we had to build up a pipeline. So we probably went for about six months to a year and then I started talking to investors. Okay, and I said, right, guys, and I was going to my friends to begin with and I thought I was going to get checks of 50,000, 100,000. I was getting like, his 500 pounds, Hardy. Oh, well, I tell you what, I'll give you five grand. You know, they weren't taking it seriously, and they weren't taking me seriously. They were looking at this as a hardy passion project. Okay? Yeah, almost a so,
0: charitable side in a way they saw it.
1: it exactly. So every yeah. time it's a kaleidoscope, and I tell them about something, they'd be like, "Well, oh, this is a wonderful charity." Okay? Yeah. And so then I thought, OK, I need to create this into more of a serious investment engine. So I mm-hmm. thought, let me get FCA regulated. So FCA is the Financial Conduct Authority and it's the regulator for the investment industry. Yeah. And so I thought that's the best thing I could do. So then people will take me more seriously. Mm-hmm. Okay? So that's what I started to do. So we started the process of getting FCA regulated. And then the pinnacle of my early days in the career was I was invited to speak at the Financial Times family office summit mm-hmm. in Dubai at the beginning of 2017. Nice. Okay. So I was on a stage with all these shakes and all these people talking about education and health and hospitals and there was Hardy stuck on at the end talking about disabled entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And do you know something? I had 100 CIOs in the audience. Okay. Mm-hmm. And now CIOs is chief investment
2: officers. Yeah. yeah.
1: Which, from a banking industry, you can't ask for anyone more perfect. Yeah. Okay? So, as soon as I spoke, the audience was gobsmacked because this whole concept of investing in disabled people, especially in that Arab world, is mm-hmm. very, very new. Very yeah. new. They hadn't, they'd never heard of it. And afterwards, me and Priya, there was someone on my team called Priya, um, we got 22 business cards they were literally literally being handed to us because oh. people were like you know we want to put money into this how much are you raising and in those days it was 10 million pounds okay and I was asking for a million pounds from each family office right yeah. so you can imagine in my mind I was counting the numbers and yeah. you know, now <laughs> kitching,
2: kitching, yeah.
1: it, it was it really was and I thought to myself this, this you know couldn't get better couldn't get yeah. any better and then I realized That there was a problem with getting FCA regulated. Oh no! And when I was on stage, of course, I was blowing the trumpet about FCA regulation. Yeah, we're nearly there. We've nearly got it. But I didn't say we've got it because we didn't. No, no. But But I we were on the journey. and I was talking about the importance of being FCA registered. Right. And then, we didn't, and now it's not that we didn't get it, is there was a complication to do with the mentors and mm-hmm. the regulators wanted the mentors to become authorized because they were pro- providing advice mm-hmm. that would influence the way that the disabled entrepreneur might spend their money. Right. So it became, a bit, of a, it became it was a bit of a strange one to be honest. But it really, really put a spanner in the works, really. So then what happens is I've got all these people that are, like, wanting money, that are becoming ready for money, and suddenly I've got this gigantic FCA issue, okay? Now I'm like, okay, no investor's going to look at me now because I'm not getting FCA anymore, okay? What do I do next, okay? So then what I had to do was – because, you know, the one thing about me, Martin, and this is a strength and a weakness, okay – I don't like letting people down, okay? Mm. It's one of these hardy problems. But the issue is you can't please everybody in life, no, okay?
2: no.
1: And, you know, there were, there were two people I had to say no to, and one of them swore at me really badly. And he, oh, and he called me a nincompoop. I hadn't heard that word <laughs> wow. in the primary school days. But he actually called me in the <laughs> on the phone and in an email. Right. I was like, oh my God, this is what I don't even know how to spell that. <laughs> no, I know. But I really did think to myself, you know, we have to be very careful here because mm. also people that are coming to us are suddenly realizing here's a company that to will listen to our ideas. And you know, the average time span that people were listening to, holding on to their ideas for eight to 10 years. Wow. Now eight to 10 years because we asked them how long have you had this idea for so all of a sudden they're looking at Kaleidoscope as a savior business that's going to come and take away all their problems Mm -hmm. and then I'm thinking I can't let them down on the one hand on the other hand I've got this FCA issue so then I had to create an investor club that was my phase two right Okay. So I got high-network individuals around me, and then I started taking ideas to them. And that worked better, to be honest, yeah. Martin. Okay? That was still not ideal, because the problem there is that these guys are looking at it from the point of view, if they wanted to pick the star businesses, okay, mm. so which are the ones that are really good that we can invest in, versus yeah. the other ones that may not be stars, but are still very, very good businesses. Okay? Yeah. And then the challenges I was getting from the other investors was, your revenue stream is not gonna come for you know three, four, five years. Mm-hmm. Can you not do something in the interim? Mm-hmm. And that's how recruitment was born. Okay. Because recruitment, number one, actually, number one, we were getting demand for it. That was the most important thing. But then number two, that could be a revenue stream. Yeah. So then came the birth of kaleidoscope recruitment. And we thought, okay following the same line with, with entrepreneurship, only for disabled people. And what I wanted to do, Martin, I wanted kaleidoscope Recruitment to be a little bit different. It wasn't just about finding a job. For a person with a disability it was about helping them to create and define a career okay? yeah, yeah, and yeah. This, is, this is what i've learned and we've we've met over a thousand disabled people in the last four to five years and i say that personally as well as some of my team okay mm. and the one the one lesson i've learned is what you see in terms of what you think a skill set is is very different to what their actual skill set is after you've met and spent some time time with them you know because a lot of them I found had challenges with their confidence so they wouldn't believe in themselves right Mm -hmm. so if you give them that chance and that confidence they could fly way higher than anyone else would ever imagine right and that's what I was finding so for me it was like collaborate recruitment is going to be about building careers getting promoted Mm. you know just you know not staying in one job for 10-15 years but actually moving up along the ladder
2: Um, and
1: and also, my sister is a quite a renowned employment lawyer in the city,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and she advised me on making sure that we have mechanisms in place to help employers feel more comfortable, that when they hire people with disabilities, they're not going to they're not going to risk being sued or you know by making sure they have the right infrastructure in place and the right training in place. And that, of course, is how kaleidoscope advisory was then born. So we thought, with the recruitment business, if we have a training arm, then it's an easy thing to talk about when you're talking about recruitment. Now, I appreciate that's a very competitive market. And to be honest, we're not going into there to compete. We're no. going into there to add a product that could help with recruitment. You know, yeah. And the way that I've set the advisory business up, Martin, is I'm leveraging the people that are already in the industry. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, recently we were just talking to a company that are specializing in neurodiversity, right? So as part of our offering, we'll have their proposition plugged in. We've got Mm -hmm. our own CSR, you know, offering and good old Adam Pearson. Do you remember Adam Pearson? Yeah, yeah. 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 Adam's actually developed a a product with us, which is called Dispelling the Myths, you know. And so, you know, it's things like that where you're leveraging people that have already done things in the industry and then you're bringing them under your your umbrella and then we set up the final arm was the charity now the charity is not part of the kaleidoscope group as such from a commercial structure but it is you know it's under the umbrella and it is an independent foundation that is there to help with grants so you know we will give grants of up to ten thousand pounds to people with disabilities you know where they want to start social enterprises or charities or organizations where profit is not the number one priority. Okay. Yeah. And we will also help them with skills training to mm-hmm. to sort of upskill them to find other things they want to do. So I really had this image of sort of being the I hate to use this phrase one-stop shop. Okay, but this a, a place where we could get people with disabilities. We could try and do our best to help them, but if we couldn't, and mm. we need to be much better at saying so, which yeah. we've become in the last one and a half years or so, managing
0: expectations. Yeah.
1: yeah oh, and that's that's always been my biggest challenge, Martin. Mm. You know, always. And then, but then, signposting them, having people that yeah. you can signpost them to, and say, you know, why don't you try and do this instead? So. You know, so that's how we've kind of, and where we've got to today, I feel, I have to say, the thing I feel the most humbled about today is the team that I have behind Mm -hmm. me now. You know, we've just launched our new website, um, and, and I've got a phenomenal team of people, Martin, and that has really... That's what's given me the confidence in being able to do what I'm doing now. Because I think what I realized before is it was hardy driving it and it was a few people behind me that were kind of yes people, mm-hmm. but I was driving it right. Whereas now, in the last couple of say a year and a half or so, I've got people that are challenging me. Yeah. And they're saying, actually, I don't agree with this, or you need to do this, or this is how I, our new expectation management policy, <laughs> which was sending out to everyone in the first meeting. You know, so it's it's actually being challenged. And it's great being a visionary, but actually you need people that are going to execute on that vision. And yeah. I think that's why I feel a lot more confident now of the people that are around me.
0: Yeah, I mean, it always starts with that sort of dream and, and vision. And that's the the thing that gets people involved. It starts, you know, progress and, and movement and so I think everything you have always done is absolutely necessary ingredient and as you say it's just having those balance and checks about what can we do today or in the next month or the next year and just having that sort of the how side only follows what the bigger objective is and it just takes a while to for it to all find it's, itself doesn't it but it a good place now to still create the impact that you've always wanted to but yeah sort of managing the down the risks and the downsides that were there before as well
1: and 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 by the way the risks and the downsides are pretty severe okay so because yeah. we don't we don't just to give a couple of examples on that um because we're not we we just look straight through the disability obviously we need to know the limitations it has on the individual yeah of course but we have dealt with some individuals that have uh, schizophrenia and you know mm. paranoid schizophrenia active, mm. which is the most dangerous kind of schizophrenia you can have. Right. And even my, my dear mental health uh, director, Zenobia, sometimes she's like, you know, Hardy, what do you, you know, you've know, you got to be really careful when you're interacting mm. with these people. But the way I look at it, Martin, is we've made a commitment, right? We made a commitment to look at people for their ideas. okay. Yeah. And as long as we feel we can support them. And, you know, one of the things we say here is let them not be alone. Let there at least be another person on the team yeah. so that if there is an issue, there's somebody else that can take the baton because, oh. you know, we have that, we have to have that, you know, commitment to our investors. Yeah. But, you know, it, but, but you have to be very careful because these people, they can put a lot of, you know, and some of them have suicidal thoughts and, you know, yeah. so you've got to make sure you then divide the line between, okay, what are your safeguarding protocols and what are your friendships? You know, you've yeah. got to make sure that the business and friendship is very different. So yeah. there are some things that have in the past really kept me awake at night. And my right hand, Hayley O'Connor, who I am mentioning here, of course, um, she's got the same issue. You know, she interacts with a lot of the embe- um the entrepreneurs. Mm. And that that kind of fear factor, we've got to really manage very carefully.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's saying about managing expectations. So it's like whether it's recruitment or entrepreneurship startup. So there's definitely an issue that we're all trying to resolve, that disabled people have less opportunities and access yeah. to the things that non-disabled people do. So that that's a problem, and it's all the stuff that you and I and many others are trying to solve through different solutions, right? But on the other side, in the bigger picture of society, entrepreneurship and recruitment are competitive, tough worlds. And whether you're disabled or not, oh, yeah. those variables are still in play. So as you sort of said, some people saw you and and Kaleidoscope as a kind of saviour and answer to the problems. And and in many ways you are, and it is, but it's a step back mm. to the even playing field. Mm. It doesn't guarantee that the business is going to work or mm. that the person's going to enjoy the job or, or be the right fit for a company. So I, I think that's probably the big part you've – learn to articulate is it's it's the 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 leg back up where everyone ought to be but then the rest is still totally unknown
1: absolutely right absolutely right and I think trying to help the individuals that we've dealt with see it from the perspective that you've just mentioned yeah. is sometimes really challenging as well Martin. because yeah. you know they've got you know entrepreneurs in general are very possessive about their ideas yeah and then sometimes if you bring a disability into that then actually that could exasperate it depending yep. on the disability and they can take it very very personally so you've got to be really you know careful about how you articulate these messages but at the same time being direct and honest with them as well
0: yeah yeah that's cool so I you know, i'd be good to dive in a bit deeper on a bit about the entrepreneurship um, investment side, and a bit about the careers. I want to hear a bit more about James Carn. Yeah. You know. um, if we start with the entrepreneurship side, so, I mean, you know, have there is there a couple of maybe you can't mention exact details, but just broader examples of people that were, you know, did receive investment and things they went
1: on to do. So there's there is the biggest. I would say the biggest success story one of the biggest success stories we yeah. have is a company called mobility mojo okay. with Stephen Klusky and uh, noel Daly. if you know them yeah i met them going back six uh not six i think it's 2000 and, um 2016 in ireland i met them the first time so we now we did not we haven't invested in them but we helped them to get to the point where they were ready for investment. So yeah. it was a really good two-year journey, I would say. You know, we got an investor, um, a mentor called Michael Green, involved, and I think it was amazing spending time with Stephen and Noel in the early days as they were developing the idea. You mm-hmm. know, and so we helped them to fine-tune that commercial proposition and get it to where it needed to be. Yeah. And then they got a fantastic investor, and now they're doing really well. So that was a really what that was testament to was that we had the knowledge that we could bring to the table to actually yeah. demonstrate how they could be successful yeah. and then there was another there is i should say another wonderful guy called david O'Mahony, um, and he has been absolutely fantastic at developing this well-being product so he's a motivational speaker and he's got his own well-being product as well yeah. and you know there was a phenomenal conversation with him when we first started because we we were you know the royal foundation Mm-hmm. so the royal foundation do a lot with wounded war veterans okay yeah. so we had a, we had an alliance with them or have i should say and we had a training session exclusively for ex-military which mm-hmm. by the way martin was the hardest session i ever had because mm-hmm. there was no facial expressions right it's like in the room and you're talking about entrepreneurship and everything and you know normal right. people nod and smile and like yeah,
2: yeah
1: i was like oh my god this is the hardest session yeah. i've ever had and Dave, David was in there and he sort of came along and he told me afterwards, about only fairly recently, do you know, Hardy, I didn't even have an idea, okay, right. you know, when he came, but he developed an idea and he spent so much time with Danielle Brown, who we also have as our head of training and development, amazing woman. She's a brilliant motivational speaker and she helped to tune him. And then it became a case of, okay, motivational speakers um there are a lot of people that are motivational speakers then what okay what are you then going to actually sell so he then created a well-being package which was, you know, th- about things like gratitude and sleep hygiene and mm-hmm. mindfulness and all these words, which two years ago, you weren't really paying that much attention to. And all of a sudden, you know, every school has got mindfulness on their agenda right now, yeah. you know? So we had David O'Mahony, that was another guy that, we, that we've really helped. And I made a note of a few others, actually. Um, yeah, so there's, you know, you know, Simona, don't you?
2: Simona, no, don't do
1: you know Coco to Thrill? I've heard that. Yeah. Yeah. So, Simona Williams is somebody that we're working very closely with at the moment on her chocolate shoe. She was a Stelios Award winner.
0: Oh
1: yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So she she won one of the awards. So we've got quite a lot to do with her. We've got it. We've got about what we're doing right now is we've got a top 10 list, Martin, of people that we're working very closely with, some of which I can't mention, unfortunately, sure, but, no, I understand but, but there's, I'll tell you the spaces that they're in, okay, yeah. they're in the spaces of wheelchairs, okay, mm-hmm. so so um one is a cushion, an ergonomic cushion for yeah. a wheelchair, mm-hmm. one is a power wheelchair that is a, that's kind of like the Lamborghini of wheelchairs, okay, right. on the one hand, you know, and it's sort of, in the twenty-two 000 to 25,000 pound price range. So, sure. real high end, but very, very strong wheelchairs.
0: Yeah, with uh, anyone watching, not so in the disability world, like that sounds a crazy, crazy amount of money, but that is actually a, a sort of average price point for the higher level design. And like my, my one I'm sat in was at 20 odd K. So, I uh, can just imagine some people watching may be like, how can any wheelchair cost over 20 grand? but they do for lots of different factors. Yeah, yeah.
1: no, that's very fair. And then we have a um, couple of travel businesses because travel mm-hmm. is is very big. And funnily enough, you know, you spoke about the business you're involved in with Mark, uh, the accessible ratings business. Yes. Yes, so there's another lady called Fiona Jarvis. Of yes, Blue Bad style. Yeah, I'm, yeah.
0: I'm Fiona on the show scene. Excellent.
1: Fiona, i tell you one thing, Martin. She gives me so much inspiration as somebody that just doesn't let go. Yeah, you know, she is. She is a Rottweiler, and she is relentless. <laughs> comes back, comes back. Some people get fed up and they just go away, and she doesn't. You yeah, know? That, that is a trait of real entrepreneurs. You know, so and resilience and never giving up are the two key ones, right? Absolutely. So I would say that we're working with about twenty. What I would classify as rising star to star businesses at the moment pretty closely and then we have the lifestyle businesses Mm -hmm. and we're probably working to develop at least 40 to 50 of them you know we have no shortage of ideas we're always welcome for more ideas but you know we're very fortunate in that we've had people that through word of mouth have been approaching us
0: well it shows that you've unlocked that you know there are all these people with an idea and nowhere to channel it so i'm not surprised that that there's no lack in in demand for it, you know. Yeah, yeah,
1: no, there isn't, not at all. Not at
0: all. Yeah. I mean, obviously, looking through you, you know, a lot about my story anyway, but you know, there was the idea generation, access to mentors was so important, yeah. but to get your business more in shape. Um, then you can get grants like the Stelios Award, like I got an unlimited award, I, um,
2: yeah
0: entrepreneur grant and you know there there are some sort of five to 15 20 K sort of grants out there if people are, you know send some of this for people watching as well really that that there's all those options. Mm-hmm. Um with srin and I for a comable we got the skull Foundation grant. So that there, there was those things you talked about before the charities, the awards mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. But as you said at the beginning the they're getting a proper investment where it's understood that this can have a big return. This business can, with with capital and investment now, it can get bigger and better and give more returns to everybody. How are you seeing that from the investment side? A bit like when I'm always talking about the purple pound in the marketing sense for brands, Are, are investors getting more aware that it's a true marketplace with true business potential now?
1: Do you know, it's a brilliant question. I would say in the last one year, I have seen a shift in the investor mindset, which is really good. And it comes with this um, social impact mindset, responsibility, a responsible investing mindset. You know, people are beginning to look at this a lot more closely now. And so there are some social impact funds that are out there. But what annoys me, okay, is that they call themselves social impact and then they're offering returns of, 15 to 20 x okay mm. which is very venture capital so that's 15 to 20 times which is sure. you know for a socially responsible investment it's not to say you couldn't get that right.
2: but you know
1: you need to tend to look towards you know the three four five even possibly up to 10 but the minute you go start going 15 20 25 that's a vc so yeah. you know if you are a social impact fund then be a social yeah, impact yeah, yeah. Fund. you know for me as a really if you are a charity then be a charity yeah know? Yeah, yeah, that- yeah,
0: that's a really good point. Though. Yeah.
1: yeah, but I think I think so. I think there are people that have changed their mindset, Our investors. And it's a bit ironic here. And this is actually a very sad thing to do because of the tragic loss of life. But the irony is the coronavirus has actually made a lot of investors become a lot more empathetic. Mm -hmm. So there are people that I used to deal with before that didn't want to know us that have got back in touch with us, you know, and, and our investors are primarily family offices. So, you know, they've, they've got foundations, you know, they have more for sort of a social mindset. Yeah. and, I, and I'm, I'm beginning to see quite a big change Martin yeah. so I'm really hopeful you know there's a wonderful lady called uh, Susan Scott Parker yeah. and one of the things she told me to do one day was to write a white paper for the government on mm. my five years of yeah. entrepreneurship experience and mm. really go into the detail mm. so that other investors can see what mistakes did we make yeah what did we learn what have, we, what have we changed, what are we doing right now so that they can do the same thing? It's yeah. not about Kaleidoscope being the one and only business that do this, because we could never do that even if we wanted to. Yeah. It's actually helping other investors to see mm. things as we see them, yeah. so we can actually make an impact.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, it was very similar with Purple Goat where, you know, we will not be the only inclusive, disability inclusion, influencer, social marketing agency there's room for a lot more like us the key is that brands want to work with the well to talk to disabled people and disabled customers and use social media and influencer marketing to do that so it's like you say if you if you do that social change bit with the investors and with big brands there's so many benefits not just to consumers and disabled entrepreneurs but there's all sorts of things like what we're doing that others could be doing similar things as
1: well Mm, Absolutely. And I think there being no barriers to entry is also really important. So, with us, you know, whoever approaches us, there are zero costs, Martin. And this is across the line. You know, if we end up investing in a business, we take a small equity stake in it and that's it. So, it's not, you know, the whole training, the whole meeting people, the whole interacting with other entrepreneurs. That is the beauty of what we love is that, Mm -hmm. you know, we create so many people, make friends. And, you know, Mm -hmm. entrepreneurship is actually a very lonely place to be. OK, yeah. because it's not like you've got a team of people around you. And when you start meeting other disabled entrepreneurs, suddenly you feel sort of a kinmanship and, yeah. and you know, you've got a similar commonality.
0: I totally agree with that. Um, so I, mean, I think we'll, we'll start moving towards the careers side. But is there anything else you want to mention on the startup investment entrepreneurial side? Uh,
1: No, I think if people want money, we're obviously very open to still talking to people. But the only thing we need to say in terms of managing expectations here is because of COVID, we're not doing any sort of um, investing until Q4 this year. So from September onwards, Um, but we're still very happy to talk to people if they would like to talk to us in the interim to develop.
0: And I mean, obviously in-person events have all stopped, but are there any sort of newsletters or like resources that people can tap into remotely?
1: Yes. So very shortly, there's going to be a page on our Kaleidoscope group. There's going to be a link that tells you what upcoming events there are. Um, so we do a lot of our training sessions just online. You know, so right. people can, they message Hayley. She does a short initial conversation with everybody before they join. Yeah. And then we'll bring them and we can invite them in. So, so it's open to anybody that has an idea.
0: Yeah, no, I love like right. that, that. Manage expectations. It's, you know, there's no investment right now. But there's still ways that people can get involved and have that that community connection of other disabled entrepreneurs as well. Right.
1: But, you know, Martin, it takes three to four months to get your idea to become investment ready anyway. even If you start in May or June, that takes you into Q 4 in any case. So there's never a time that you shouldn't become an entrepreneur or start thinking about it.
0: Yeah. No, too right. Too right. Cool. So let's get on to careers and recruitment and and James Khan. tell me a bit more about James first of all
1: so I was at uh, again being a bit personal here I was going through a divorce in my life uh, at the time and I was not in a good place work wise and I've been out of work twice in my life for three months okay and the first three months I was out of work I had a lovely payment so I was not worried about finding another job yeah but you know what I what I was doing I was basically meeting people and pretending everything was okay but actually I was looking for a job okay right. the next 3 months that I was out of work I, I didn't care right this is a few years later I was yeah. really blatant if I was having a coffee with someone it was because I was looking for a job okay? yeah. And this is my first tip, right? And not that I'm trying to give tips, but my first learning. I'm
0: trying to give value to the
1: viewers anyway. Yeah. Do not be afraid of asking people for help, okay? Mm. Because there are people around you right now that can probably get you a job or get you introduced to somebody that can give you a job. you ask, yeah. okay? Because the thing I learn is that that ego in you is a thing that wants you to think, oh, you know, especially when you're coming from the city and you've all these grand titles, and now you're mm. asking somebody for a job. But that's how I got my job with James, okay? Because the irony is, my sister, out of all people, knew one of his lawyers, right. Okay? And his lawyer managed to get me an interview with the CEO of one of his businesses. Wow. And and the funny thing is, it was just a conversation. So yeah. and I'm gonna I'm gonna write a book on this one day, Martin. Okay, it's like you know, the kind of zero to hero thing. Yeah. And um, so basically on a Thursday at four o'clock in the afternoon, I had a coffee with somebody in his office. Mm-hmm. The following the Friday morning, the next morning at nine o'clock, I had an interview with James. Okay. Wow. And these were the days that I think he was just probably still on Dragon's Den or maybe yeah. just. And, you know, I walked into his office that was probably four times the size or five times the size of anybody else's office. And he was sort of sitting there on his Blackberry, you know, the way his glasses is a bit sort of down on his nose. Yeah. Yeah. So there was somebody coming to get him to sign, a, you know, sign something, a secretary in the corner of the room. And he was like, so, Hardeep, tell me about yourself.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. and you know Martin I was a bit breathless from coming up the stairs I was looking at this other secretary I was thinking there was another secretary behind me and I started waffling so much garbage I just can't tell you I was talking about my o-levels and how I failed my <laughs> o-levels I forget my a-levels or degree I was was like, oh, oh,
2: sorry. <laughs> and I was
1: you know I was hyperventilating yeah. properly hyperventilating right and he just looked up and he looked at me and he asked the two ladies to leave and he said, So, Hardeep, let me tell you about this role. And he started talking. Okay. And he calmed me down. And right. that 45 minute interview ended up being an hour and a half. Okay. Right. And then the following Tuesday, I well, actually, straight after that interview, I was then invited for another interview the following Tuesday. And, you know, funnily enough, over that weekend, I was in a charity shop, Martin, and I found a book on James Caan. Right. Yeah. And um, I took it and this is, and this is my second biggest tip. Okay. Before my second interview with James, I produced a mini brochure on myself. Okay. Mm -hmm. I took his logo from his website. I said, proposal from Hardy, Bry, You know, for client director position, you know, page one, what is the job spec? Okay. Mm -hmm. Page two, why do I think I'm good for that job? Mm-hmm. Page three, what questions do I have for you, James? And page four, if you give me this job, what am I going to do in the first month?
2: Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: And I got that bound in the most expensive way I could, which was £10, okay?
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and then when I went to see him on Tuesday morning, um, he said, so, Hardy, have you been thinking about this job over the weekend? And I said, yes, James, so much so that I actually produced this for you. Wow.
2: And do you know what,
1: Martin? He just looked at it. And he just smiled. Do you know yeah. what I mean? He just kind of just he just smiled, and yeah. and then at, at the very end, so you know. Then we had another really long conversation, and the minute the conversation started getting into salaries, I kind of thought, okay, this is really you know really hopeful, um, you know. So he gave me his card at the end, and he said, phone me at seven twenty this evening, okay? right? Really precise. Yeah, yeah. And as I was going down the stairs, okay, there's this thing about desperation versus really enthusiastic and keenness mm-hmm. and you know how there's a sword edge you know in yes. so as I was walking down the stairs I was saying to him, James I promise you please if you give me this role I will not let you down you know as I was literally pleading with him yeah. and, you know, trying not to be desperate even though I, I was so hungry for it yeah. but trying not to be desperate and you know I found out afterwards and on subsequent programs that he's done on tv that that last one or two minutes of your interaction is actually Mm. really critical, Mm. really critical. It's because, you know, all of those things help them to make their decisions. Mm. And then, of course, at 7.20 that night, I got my um, I got the job and it was the most amazing feeling. And guess what? All those people, as soon as I linked, updated my LinkedIn, Mm -hmm. all of those people that didn't want to know me, that didn't want to have a coffee with me, suddenly became my best friend yeah they'd been on a three-month holiday or my email went into their junk folder or you know there were all these yeah yeah
2: Yeah.
1: so it was it was an amazing thing and I think what I'd love to say to people now is you know as as negative and as worrying as this current climate might look you know, with the talk of the recession or things, there are always ways of reinventing yourself, okay? And I'm a really, really big one on purpose. You know, for me, the whole point of Kaleidoscope is, as you said, is to give a a level playing field, a platform. But the ultimate aim is I want people to find purpose, right, through their careers. You know, I feel I've been very blessed with Ishin and, you know, from a religious point of view, I became a Christian six years ago. So from a personal point of view, I'm very much at peace. You know, I'm very much at peace. But career-wise, and that's a personal journey, obviously. But career-wise, we need, I really want people to be able to do that. And people are in jobs because they need to pay their mortgages, they need to pay their bills. Actually, this is a phenomenal time to reevaluate what you want, what you feel you can do versus what you want to do. Okay, because they're two different things. And actually go out and be creative. You know, the one thing I also learned from James is, don't wait for a job vacancy to apply for a job. Yeah. You define the job you want, okay? Yeah. You think about what your skill is. You decide what are, what are the jobs out there in the market that are gonna pay X amount for what you want to do. Mm. You pick the companies you wanna apply for, yeah. and you go apply for them. Because a the number of jobs I gave, personally gave to people, to, pe- to, to people that will come off off the street, they wouldn't yeah. even know what jobs we had, right? Yeah. Yeah. we would love the fact that they were thinking in that way. It's about
0: the people, isn't it? I often say with investment, that, and it's obviously the same with employment, that it's about the person. You invest in the person as much as all the other things absolutely. that they're bringing, like the idea or the product or the service. It's really, when you get down to it, you want to be around people that are enthusiastic, creative, make impact, all that kind of stuff. So if you absolutely. can present yourself in that way, to the right people opportunities will flow your way.
1: and the other thing i think is really important and this is something we talk a lot about um is the motivation behind why you're doing what you're doing mm. and understanding it because if you don't know why you're doing what you're doing you know mm. you will never be able to get through the difficult times because yeah. you'll be pushed over you know you've got it's like with ishan you know we've had to pivot two three times and if i look at the pictures on my wall all the time and I remind myself of him. I know why I'm doing what I'm doing. Yeah. But it's really important for people to recognize that as well within themselves.
0: Yeah, definitely. That's really amazing. Was it James that um was the one that like didn't have a big flash office when he started? Yes. So he would meet people yes. in the lobby of yes. hotels.
1: Yes. Like, the the joke there was the broom cupboard. He sort of had a broom cupboard but he'd meet people in hotels.
0: Yeah. And yeah. I mean that, you know, again it's I guess another tip is resourcefulness. Like the way you said that that binder that when he had the brochure bound was tenor. But the the value that 10 quid you spent was immeasurable, really.
1: Well, I heard I heard from other people afterwards. He used to use me as a case study. Really? I, I mean I never heard that, but I heard yeah, that yeah, from yeah. other people that this yeah. guy created a brochure for me. And he even said he never read it. It's just the fact that you may, because yeah. you know, yeah. the, the other obvious thing is differentiating yourself. And it's the same in entrepreneurship. And, you know, credit to you, Martin and Srin, for what you did for a because, you know, you in the recent days, both of you in the recent years, have been the success story that everyone has been holding on to. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And yeah. you need to be able to have that credibility somewhere along the line to say, actually, look at these guys. They were bought by Airbnb. So you want a success story in the, in the industry? Look at those guys, and you sometimes need to be able to do that to yeah. to give people the confidence.
0: Yeah, it's showing what's possible, isn't it? Both both ways, because there's a lot of disabled people that would start to feel why bother, because like there's no opportunities, there's too much discrimination, too many barriers. But actually, we've shown with all of the types of skills and tips that we've touched upon today, you know, it's possible. And equally, on the investment side and the business. Whether it's recruitment or goods and services or marketing, again, like it's possible. You just have to open your mind and then stick to it as well. Yeah. So right
2: we're
0: right. we're going to wrap up in a couple of minutes, Hardy. But
1: I, I told you, I, really I told
0: you it was fly, didn't I? <laughs> I
1: have so much left to say.
0: <laughs> but that was really what I was going to give the opportunity for like the last couple of minutes. I mean, the, the big one was on the recruitment, just a quick summary of sort of, how people can get involved if they are looking for help that sure. way and then yeah just any sort of final thoughts here, what you want to mention really.
1: Sure I think Um, so with Kaleidoscope recruitment if you go to our new website so our website is kaleidoscope.group mm-hmm. um, there is information there on how you can get in touch with us we're very personal right now so it's not about fill out this form or fill out that form it's you know if you want the investment there's one person if you want the recruitment there's another person and yeah. then we have an initial call with you sure. uh, and then we start off by doing an assessment um, and it's actually a risk assessment as well Martin so it's an assessment on the individual it's a risk assessment on them as well what level of support they need yeah. we also provide them with some training if they need it so if that's interview skills training if it's confidence training and then we give them a careers consultant to speak to as well Mm -hmm. who will actually say okay this is what you think you want to do but actually is it the right thing for you to do and have you thought Mm -hmm. about doing this and this is the most important piece and once we've done those three things then we begin to help them to find a job okay for us you know part of our differentiation is making sure we really understand that individual properly first
0: And Um, and that they understand helping them to understand themselves as well
1: that's right you know because sometimes when I'm talking about entrepreneurship I do I do a whole session on soft skills right mm. What's your nature? what's your yeah. personality? Because the answers to certain questions help me to understand how they're going to be entrepreneurs, you know. And it's very similar in a career orientated because you know we can all be pretty good salespeople, let's be honest, when you're sitting down in a one hour interview. But actually, life is a lot more than that. And you know, our mindset with kaleidoscope recruitment at the moment is more headhunting. And -hmm. I think because we've luckily over the last few years, we've built a very big database of people already. Mm -hmm. It's very easy to just flip that into the recruitment because we know so many of the people anyway you know many of them haven't started successful businesses but they love to find jobs
2: yeah yeah yeah.
1: so so it's actually it makes a lot of sense for us to do it that way but like anything you know i've picked a great team of people funnily enough one of our advisors is someone that got money from james khan you okay. know, she, she got money from him and she sold her business back to him as well right. <laughs> so, so yeah delighted for people to approach us on the recruitment side if they would like to um yeah. and likewise on the investment side and i think the only thing i would say sort of in are we going to wrap up now i'm guessing are there yeah, any? Up, gonna,
0: sort of by one we're going to wrap up yeah okay
1: okay yeah so um yeah I suppose the other thing I was going to say is just to leverage this current time because you know a lot of entrepreneurs are coming to us with covid-19 specific ideas I right. mean, face masks they want to do gloves ppe equipment you know but the issue is if you just think about covid-19 then it's probably got a time span and yeah. the only thing I would say is that great I have to have an idea that's going to do well now but actually have something that will lead afterwards as well. So it's not just during this time period. It's gonna be whatever's in our new normal, so to speak.
0: Yeah, as you say, don't want it to, to run out of steam when uh, in a good way the virus goes away or, or there's a you know, vaccine or whatever it ends up being. But yeah, I agree that it's um how do they build on that into a longer sustainable business? Yeah, exactly. Um Gavin's just asked, do we think that there will be an improvement in job opportunities post COVID?
1: Gino, that's a really good question. I think, ironically, for disabled people, yes, Gavin, yeah. the reason I say that is because there's a lot of people with disabilities that haven't been able to apply for jobs because of challenges with mobility, mm-hmm. whereas now everyone's doing things at home, actually that's made many, many more people much more accessible. You know, I know people in my own team that are trying to do that at the moment. So I think the other big issue here is the sectors. You know, There are some sectors that are totally wiped out at the moment, but there yeah. are other sectors like health, food and beverage, excluding restaurants, obviously, but yeah. online, yeah. that are going absolutely through the roof. Mm. You, know, you talk to one recruitment agency, like I was talking to them yesterday, and they've had the best two months they've ever had. And yeah. you talk to someone else and they're about to close down because they've been in a sector like construction or something that's been really badly hit. So mm-hmm. I, think it really, I think it really does depend on the sector. But I think, like I said earlier, I wouldn't be too driven by what's going on in the sectors. Think about what you want and then yeah. make, make a pitch, make an application. That's and, how that
0: whether, and that's whether it's a business idea as an entrepreneur or as a job. Because I think the other is a misconception about employment's been difficult for disabled people so owning your own business and being your own boss is the only way Mm. but some people are just not made and built to be entrepreneurs Mm. and Mm. they bring a lot of value in a bigger organization Mm. if there's the flexibility of that organization to to have to cater for that person's needs so i think as businesses get generally more open to flexible hours and home working there's a lot of disabled people that may feel that's actually the better route after all. And there's another word that's doing the rounds called intrapreneur. And it's where you have that entrepreneurial flair and ideas and creativity, but you can channel it within your role at a company as well. So I, I think we always like to put labels on stuff, but as you say, it's what does that person like and what they're good at, yeah. and where does that plug in with the bigger picture of the economy and there's always that happy medium for people.
1: Very much so. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more.
0: All right, Hardy, Well, um, any, any final thoughts to mention? Before we uh, no,
1: just thank you very much for giving me the time, Martin. I really, wow. really enjoyed it. And I can't believe an hour has gone by. I mean, normally I do 10, 15 minutes, but it's remarkable. I must yeah. have spoken a long time about something. I'm not sure what, but, <laughs> well, but no, really it's a
0: No, no, a pleasure. I really enjoyed it. and A a lot of value for people watching as well. And obviously on the replay, thanks to everyone that's watching it, not on the live. Um, But if there's other things that you would have wanted to touch upon, you know, we'll, we'll get you back on in a few weeks and have another chat about those
1: topics anyway. Oh, that's brilliant. Thank you, Martin. I might well pick you up on that. Cool.
0: All right, thanks a lot, everyone, for watching. Another great episode today. I think it's Friday tomorrow. Is that right, Hardy? It, it is
2: I'm indeed,
0: yeah. Of the day. <laughs> and, uh, I did know it was Friday, but I'm definitely ready ready for the weekend. Oh, yeah, tomorrow we're on at 12.30 because my guest is Ross Hovey, and um, he's he has a very busy day job at Lloyd's Banking Group. Um, so, yeah, we'll be on at 12.30 to fit around his schedule a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I'll see you all tomorrow, and thanks again, Hardy.
1: Thank you, Martin. Okay. Okay. Hi everyone.